Hey, everybody. Welcome today to the first episode of Outsource Advantage. Uh, I am super excited to welcome our first guest today. Uh, he's someone that I know really well uh, from previously working with him in the past, um, and now he's off on a new venture, and I'm, I'm really excited to hear about it, but I'm also excited for everyone out there in the industry to hear about it because it's a new take on something that's been prevalent in the industry, uh, various industries for multiple years now, but we're really trying to do something different uh, with Donnie's company as a strategic partnership. And so without further ado, I want to welcome Donnie Mitchell, the president and CEO of Peppermint Robotics USA. Donnie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Derek. Good, good to see you. Yeah, nice to see you. You know, Donnie, I, yeah. I always enjoy talking to you because you've taken, um, similar to me, but in a different aspect, kind of a, an mm -hmm. adventure in your career. Um, you know, back when you were at HHS, uh, you know, you were here way before I was. Um, but from everything I've heard about you, it's been similar to my, my path in terms of you've kind of bounced to solve problems across the organization, mostly in operations, but even dabbling in recruiting and, and other areas. And then ultimately, before you went to Peppermint Innovation, which is something that's near and dear to my heart. And so I just love that story. Could, could you open this up with uh, a little overview of you as a, you know, your professional experience and maybe a, one or two things about you personally? Sure, sure. Yeah, Derek, th thanks. So I started with HHS uh, about 20 years ago, coming up on 20, maybe 21 years ago now or so. And I was an assistant director uh, at a hospital down in Sarasota, Florida, originally, and as a PM shift manager, and then moved to an AM shift manager, and then a director role, uh, eventually within the company. And uh, moved around quite a bit, you know, to your point. I, I was in different roles over the years. I lived in several states, different states over the years. And Moved back here to uh, Florida uh, back uh, back in like 2013 or so, and and it ended up uh, hitting the road, doing a lot of of work, uh, trying to 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 help uh, deal with issues and things we had going on in the field uh, at different locations around the country, and and then ultimately, like you said, in innovation, and spent a lot of time working with our Bedwatch team and worked through some some floor care technologies and things like that that we that we uh started there at hhs and and then ultimately uh on, on to peppermint yeah yeah so it's been a great journey that's, uh, so far along yeah, the way that's and great. lots of ex experiences so yeah that's fantastic you know i always think in in things um when it results in technology or has to do with technology um people who had previously been or or then in the past uh, have been involved in operations, whatever it is, whether it's healthcare or, or any industry. I always think it guides you a little bit better in technology because you're not worried about the, you know, the proverbial ones and zeros in software or the hardware components. You're actually thinking about the outcomes. Uh, so I, I love that mm -hmm. and, and love that you're heading up uh, Peppermint for for that company and and a valued strategic partner for us. You know, one of the things I, I wanted to talk about was, um, you know, Peppermint Robotics itself. Um, as well as in the USA, what really inspired the creation of Peppermint um, to focus on not just floor care robotics, but robotics in general? So, you know, th this started back uh, several years ago within HHS when we started looking at automation and, and trying to understand it for ourselves. So I think, gosh, you may have to go back uh, 10 years ago, perhaps when we bought our first IntelliBot, I, I think was the first one that we ever had. It wasn't uh, very functional. We struggled with it a lot, and then we we purchased uh, I think some Avid bots over the years, and some some of the tenant brain court machines, and and all in an effort to try to understand this technology, even in some early stages when it wasn't really very compatible for our environments uh, that we were working with in healthcare, when they were moving a lot of these machines in spaces like airports and grocery stores and some Sam's clubs. You've probably seen them in there, maybe. 
um, we were struggling to find the ways to implement them in the healthcare environment. And so um, when it became pretty obvious to us that in order to make sure that we were going to be able to maximize our uh, ability to automate as, as things develop in the future and, and, and things uh, changed in the healthcare environment and that space in particular, that we needed to start to innovate a bit on our own or find partners that we could work with to innovate and, and to create technology that was a bit more tailored to our specific environments. Because healthcare, uh, when we were working through this with HHS, is, is very different from a lot of the other markets where the, the greater market where they were trying to sell these things to uh, some of our requirements for technology and safety and things like that just um we're a bit different and so we decided to uh find a company to partner with and work with and that's when we found uh our, our friends uh, over in india yeah. yeah that's great you know you hit on a few of them uh one of the things i was going to ask you is is really around you know especially you you brought up healthcare, and that's where you know mm -hmm. hhs is focused with the partnership with peppermint um what mm -hmm. are some of the unique challenges that healthcare represents in, in working in hospitals uh that you don't see in the, in the big box stores or in airports uh around the world you know for for me my first interaction <laughs> with with a floor care robot was actually at a grocery store and ran into my cart now this was a, a few years <laughs> yeah. ago and so I can imagine, you know, you don't want to hit anyone in walkers, things like that, or, or patients yeah. being moved. But, you know, what are those unique challenges uh, that you see in healthcare today with your, you know, 10 plus years looking at this space? Yeah, sure. So uh, one of the things in particular, like with, with airports or whether it's grocery stores, any of those kind of spaces, uh, you're dealing with mostly mobile people, you know, that, that, that can easily avoid, you know, this equipment or there's plenty of space around the machine for people to be able to pass by safely. But in the healthcare environment, in order to get our ROI on these machines, it, it really, you have to be able to move them upstairs to patient floors. And once you introduce them into a patient unit or in areas where you're going to have patients at or, or moving patients through even, uh, whether it be a bed or a wheelchair or something like that, it, you end up in a scenario where, uh, you really have to, to, um, keep in mind all the different things that can come up, uh, whether it's, it's uh, impeding someone, you know, from getting by, whether you're like a, a, a bed coming down the hallway, you've got to be able to, to move the machine out of the way. So you almost need a person to have some level of interaction with it when you're up on a patient floor to keep, keep things safe. As this technology evolves, evolves over the coming years, you're going to begin to see us functioning more like uh, a Tesla maybe would, where uh, we migrate over to being able to use more optics and more cameras and to understand that now these are now patients in a bed coming down the hallway versus patient uh, or, or, a, or a nurse that's perhaps walking you know, at it that may easily avoid the machine. And the machine can then understand that it needs to move over to allow the patient by and then go back to what it's doing. It's, so ultimately, as we're developing this technology for the healthcare space, we're going to create intelligence that allows these machines to be able to navigate safely in the environment with minimal human interaction. The current state with, with technology and, and where everyone is in this space now, there does still require that some uh, some level of human interaction in order to make sure that, that there's it's a safe environment still for, for people, mainly the patients, but people in general. Yeah, you bring up a good point there, and I don't want to get down a rabbit hole here. Um, but, you know, when I talk about autonomous software or, or hardware mm -hmm. or robotics in general, you mm -hmm. know, I think that the common fear out there with, with people inside our organization at the home office or, or any company mm -hmm. is, 
you know, all of a sudden people are going to wake up and not have jobs um, yeah. or, or not have things to do because, you know, robotics yeah. are going to take over the world. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a big believer and would be interested in your thoughts on this, but I'm a big believer in it's really not replacing, it's augmenting. Right. It's it's all of those yeah. things where it's it's almost like the bus routes. Like if you compare mm-hmm. Uber to bus routes, right, like robotics can do the bus routes. It's going to do the same thing yeah. sometimes at the same times and frequencies all the time. And, and people are going to be more like the Uber, the, um, mm-hmm. you know, the ad hoc requests, the, the things that you can't mm-hmm. plan for. Um, but mm-hmm. also there's just that at least today's technology, that critical thinking aspect or, or the ingenuity, things that come from human, at, at least in the next few years. Can you kind of talk about how you see that evolution there? You know, are, are we are we excited about the fact that we're augmenting human and robotics and kind of combining that? And, you know, what's our path to get to some aspects where it is just going to be fully autonomous? Mm-hmm. Sure. No, good question, Derek. So I- I'm finding this. Uh, it, it varies a bit, you know, so there are people definitely concerned about it, you know, and have a, a viewpoint of, of looking at it in, in the, in the, through a lens where it is a robot replacing a person. Um, but it's not really that way. Like I shared with you earlier, especially in, in a lot of environments, um, we're able to, to, to augment some of the tasks that the people are doing to refocus them on other more important tasks, uh, for, for one, in some of these, they say non-healthcare environments, but, since you're in the healthcare space, or a large part of, of the HHS businesses in the healthcare space, I'll speak directly to that because I have, a, I have a, a bit of a different view when it comes to healthcare. I think we learned a lot during COVID and during the pandemic, where early on, I was traveling up to Nashville, a large medical center up there every week, um, and, and working with our team and navigating staffing issues and things that we were running into during that time. But in addition to that, we had, say, ICU units that would have 32 patients that all had COVID, all on respirators, you know, very sick. This is early stages of COVID when we didn't really even understand the virus, didn't understand the true risk of it, uh, you know, potentially could be to people. But yet we still had to clean the floors in these areas. And so we were having to take and send team members into areas where uh, it could be a potential harm to them uh, to go in to do something that's as simple as cleaning the floor. So being able to automate tasks like that in a healthcare environment isn't necessarily anything even about augmenting labor. It's about patient safety and, and employee safety. Um, and safety of their family and things like that in, in, in scenarios we run into. The other, the other side of it is they were running into staffing problems. And sometimes in some of the hospitals, it was hard to clean the floors because you didn't have enough bodies to be able to do it. So to be able to have a machine that you can rely on to take care of a task so that the, the more empathetic tasks, like the direct patient care type items, cleaning of patient rooms, all those things can be done by people that can interact with the patients and, and give empathy to the patients, the task that can be taken care of with a piece of automated equipment um, and keeping people safe in these environments, um, I, I think is important in healthcare. And, and, and this goes further, Derek, too. I mean, we're talking a little bit our floor, about our floor care equipment, but as we move forward with, with, with our ecosystem of, of products, we'll have uh, d- delivery equipment for, for food, food carts and things of that nature. And this again was another thing during the pandemic that was a struggle. Um, from a staffing perspective, it was a struggle right. to be able to have the bodies to do some of these tasks. It takes a lot of time to be able to run back and forth delivering, uh, just carts with trays up to the floor. Um, in addition, you were sending people again into these isolated units with, with COVID. Um, you know, active in the area um, and, and the same with just regular isolation units or sending people into these units to deliver food trays and things like that, that, that are potentially in uh, harm's way. Uh, 
based on, uh, again, our experience of the pandemic. So I, I find that in this environment in particular, there's there's a, quite a bit of a different story around it, regardless of, of the way that you view it from a human pl- replacing a robot in healthcare. I think it's a necessity to find ways to get some of these <clears throat> more uh, redundant tasks that we can take care of with a machine done with a machine. So the empathetic task and the, and the dexterous task that require humans can be done by humans. Yep. Yeah, that's great. It's interesting. You know, we commonly um, talk to our healthcare customers around, um, you know, clinicians and nurses operating at top of license. Mm-hmm. It's almost mm-hmm. taking that same principle for, for housekeepers or culinary staff, right? And allow them to, to operate, quote unquote, at the top of that license and, and not do some of yeah. those things. But man, that's a, that's a great point. You know, I didn't really even put two and two together about the patient safety and, you know, whether it's a um, an isolation room, those things, even outside of a, a pandemic environment. That, that's a great mm-hmm. point. I appreciate you bringing it up. You know, I know we talked a lot about healthcare. Um, I know you guys are working on some things outside of healthcare. Obviously, I'm not mm-hmm. going to ask you yeah, to divulge yeah. any, any things you're working on specifically, but can you talk about some of the different industries or market verticals that, that Peppermint USA is looking to get into outside of just healthcare? Sure. Yeah, we've got a lot of different verticals that we're interested in. Healthcare is just one of of many. Uh, you know, to be quite honest, and we're we're also like I shared with you earlier, we're not just in you know the cleaning floor machines. We're in material right. handling, industrial type handling robots. Uh, we have several things, exciting things, that we're working on in the automotive industry right now with with several manufacturers um, oh, that are great. that are interested in some material handling type things. We've got some real interest from several healthcare facilities right now in some of our material handling and floor cleaning robots that we're really excited about um, getting into the airport in, airport space. Uh, we, got, we have quite a bit of interest there. And um, one of the things that we're we're targeting right now in particular is, is pharmaceutical, the uh, pharmaceutical manufacturing. Um, in, in India, we do quite a bit of this over there. Uh, I believe we have about maybe 80 machines, something like that, deployed in pharmaceutical manufacturing in India. And so we're really interested in uh, that space. We've had some early conversations with some large uh, manufacturers here in the United States with uh, that make some diabetes drugs and some other drugs here uh, uh, about this. And so it's a unique requirements for some of these. And we feel that as Peppermint, we're, we're able to pivot a bit more than some of these larger companies and the legacy manufacturers that are in the space. Uh, right. we, we have the ability to create some unique uh, solutions for things in the pharmaceutical space, like in the clean rooms, it's a requirement uh, to keep monitors on dust part- particulates in the in the air in a, in a machine without a HEPA filter on the backside of the of the back, you know, will create a lot of particulates that would potentially set off the sensors. And so, we can work through solutions for for things like that that are specific to spaces where uh, some of the the bigger manufacturers really can't spend the time to do that. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and man, what a great way to lead into the next question I wanted to propose you is, you know, really, when you look at Peppermint USA and Peppermint in general, what are some of the, mm-hmm. the what I would call key features or capabilities uh, of your most popular robots? And, and I'll kind of just bucket them into the more of the logistics and then also mm-hmm. into uh, the floor care. Um, but but take that where, wherever you go. You know, I know a few of the key features, but just really interested um, in you kind of informing our audience on why Peppermint Robotics is unique. Yeah, sure. So a few things, but one in particular is our, our size and our ability to maneuver in smaller spaces. So a, a lot of the experience that we have from the HHS side of things was the equipment was too big. The equipment couldn't turn in an eight foot hallway. You know, it wasn't nimble enough in some of these environments. It, it was difficult. Even some of the better machines that we worked with uh, it, it, at, prior to me stepping over into this role 
they were still a, a bit larger, so even though they could turn in an eight-foot hallway. They were just a, a kind of bulky. With the peppermint equipment, you've got dual uh, dry motors on both sides. And so think of it more like a zero-turn lawnmower where it can sort of spin on gotcha. its own axis. Um, so when it makes a turn at the end of the hall, it's able just to turn right back onto its next path without having to, to make um, – a, a turn with like a front wheel, uh, so to speak, and have an actual turn radius to it. So um, that, that's one of the unique features that uh, about it that helps it function a bit better in the healthcare environment. In addition to that, we're working through some modifications right now on the lower scrub deck to widen it out to a 30-inch scrub deck. So our, wow. our most popular scrubber is a 45-liter. We call it the SD45, and it's a 45-liter auto scrubber that – Currently has a 20-inch scrub deck, which is uh, about the industry standard right now. They are competitors that are on the market are running in, that are in the healthcare space are running with a 20-inch deck. Anything bigger is typically going to airports or something like that. But um, we're going to be able to have a machine with a 30-inch scrub deck, so, so another 50% larger uh, scrub capacity, but also under a much smaller footprint of a machine from a size standpoint and able to zero turn in in the hallways and things like that. So. Um, from that perspective, I, I think it's a real advantage for us. And another one for us is these are, were ground up robotic builds. And so a lot of the legacy manufacturers that are in the space, they have supply chains that are set up around building uh, legacy type auto scrubbers that we we're used to pushing around. So a lot of it's brush motors, uh, heavy battery pull type type equipment. And since these were ground up robotic builds, we were able to use servo motors and newer technologies to help reduce the the amount of draw on the battery so we're able to get a much better battery life out of the equipment as well yeah that's great and then you know pivoting to to i think my favorite feature that that you guys offer which which i'm not sure why more people don't uh do this but one of the things that i fell in love with with peppermint when when we started to go down this path mm -hmm. was the fact that you know you guys are creating software and hardware together right where i yeah. think you know a lot of the the industry players are purchasing uh licensing rights to, to other people's software mm -hmm. and kind of plugging it into their machines. Yeah. Um, can you, you know, I'm not smart enough to talk about what the real advantages of that are other than I know, you know, other very large organizations who do things really well. Amazon comes to mind. They do this mm -hmm. a lot in their AWS platform. Mm -hmm. um, can mm -hmm. you talk to me a, a little bit about why, why Peppermint has gone down that path and, and some of the unique benefits of that? Sh sure. Yeah. It enables us to be able to be more flexible in how we, we, create solutions for the unique environments that we're in. Um, it, it, again, like we were talking about earlier, I mean, healthcare has a very unique set of challenges when you're in that space and, and trying to work. And so when, when you're, you're working with, with a, a, a company who's selling their product to multiple companies, uh, they're a bit more general in their approach to, to software solutions where we can be quite a bit more set specific to certain industries. Um, we found a real, that was one of the main reasons that, that HHS, started to go down the, the the path of trying to find a strategic partner in the space. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's it, a huge it, benefit it, for us. And, you know, typically <clears throat> on these podcasts, I, I won't um, emphasize HHS a ton because I want it for a broad audience. But I will say, you know, from the HHS perspective, you know, and, and, and you were the, the main focal point behind this. But having an operating company that's actually the boots on ground doing the work, mm -hmm. what I would call kind of steering the R&D lens instead of the R&D lens being, uh, you know, 
whoever gets the most feedback on features from all those yeah. different companies, I mean, that's a game changer for, for not only us as the service provider, but also our customers. You know, and so expanding on that a little bit, um, you know, how do you really approach at Peppermint um, the research development for, for new and innovative ideas outside of what, you know, our operations gives you as feedback? Sure, it falls into a couple of buckets. I mean, one, what were the things that we to, to, to piggyback on your point? I mean, that was one of the real advantages of the partnership with the HHS and Peppermint when when this when this happened is really in, in my move over to Peppermint and being able to take some of this knowledge along with me is that we we we're able to look at this from a different lens than a lot of the other equipment manufacturers or robotic manufacturers on the market. Um, you, you do have these, again, legacy manufacturers that are used to making their scrubbers paired with a person. They've not had, they're not operators. They don't have the experience. Right. They don't have 20,000 employees in the field trying to use this equipment on a daily basis and understanding the struggles with it and then understanding through experience how to work with people in the field to implement new technology and, and things like that, like we do as an organization. So. Having that in our pocket is a real advantage to us when it comes to having conversations with some of these these organizations that we're talking to um, about about strategies around implementation. Because some of the the frustration with the companies that we've talked to that have been working through robotics over the last few years is some of our frustration when you go to implement them. You have to reimagine how to do this, and and a lot of folks struggle with that. And if you're trying to do that in an organizational level and you're sending you know, 10 of these machines to 10 different locations and you're sort of relying on 10 different managers to come up their own way to do this, um, it, you become disjointed and, and, it, and it's a struggle to make it a successful uh, you know, experiment. And so that's, that is a strength of ours that we're bringing to the table here with it. And, and in addition to that, I mean, we do have an arm of our business that we're working to build as well that we're, we're creating peppermint to be a bit of uh, people call it like a windows of ro the robotics in autonomous world but we can take right. um, hardware other pieces of hardware we're working with some companies right now around this and in a couple of different spaces in healthcare where they have hardware pieces of equipment that they need to make autonomous and we can then install our sensors some drive motors and our software technology and take any piece of hardware that needs to be able to navigate an environment and allow it to navigate the environment. So, so there's a couple of pieces to the software journey for us, yeah. but a part of it is pairing it with our hardware, but we also have a part of the journey when it comes to the software about pairing our software with other people's hardware as well. Oh, that's great. You know, um, one of the things I, I always think about when, you know, especially because you keep talking about kind of the fleet of robots, right? Not just floor care, but there's mm -hmm. the tug machines. There's all these other yeah. machines that, you know, eventually yeah. they're, they're going to be all over the place. So at Peppermint, how are you basically designing these to be user-friendly, accessible to a wide range of, of customers? Sure. Yeah, that's really important. That's one of our our early challenges as we've been working through this here and, and most of these machines in the in this all this this whole company and, and the original you know peppermint uh the company was pe all incubated in india and so everyone there is like a, a single language for the most part you know and 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 it made it really easy for the for the equipment to have uh, words and text and things like that on it that made sense to all the folks there but as you come here to this country we're really truly a melting pot here. And so we have right. so many different languages, so many different cultures, so many different age ranges, you know, that are interacting with the equipment that we needed to be able to work 
towards having uh, more universal languages like icons and pictures and things like that on the UX, simplifying the UX where it minimizes the number of touches that it requires to make a task happen and, and finding ways to make it, um, again, more universal languages than things that, that actually contain words and text on it. Yeah, that's been uh, one interesting challenge that we've worked through as we've uh, started to, to implement this here in the US. Yeah, yeah that's fantastic. You know, kind of continuing down that path, are there are there any big kind of what I would call technological challenges, we, either on the hardware or software side now, that, that you're really focusing on working to solve that may be a game changer or something that, you know, the common audience member wouldn't think of that, oh, you know, we wouldn't even think that you would need to solve for that, but you guys are working on early? Sure. I mean, it, we run into things all the time, to be honest with you, Derek. There are things that yeah. we, don't, we don't realize, you know, exist as problems, and then we find them, and then... We have a great group of, of guys back in India, and we have a whole team back there with Renal and, and and Herschel and Swaraj and uh, Anoop and, and and that whole group. They they um, they they really uh, have uh, have been uh, real. They've really helped us uh, sort through these problems and find unique solutions uh, for each of them as we've gone along the way. I mean, as as, as we, we move into each new environment, there seems to be new things, you know, you don't necessarily anticipate that, that pop up here and yep. there. And so it's always it's always interesting to learn. And uh, it, it's great having a team like we have on our side that's able to kind of think through these things, step back and look at it through a different lens and then come up with, with unique solutions uh, for our customers and, and for the industries that we're trying to service. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the <clears throat> impressive things that, that I, I give you guys a ton of credit for is the amount of uh, new products, features, et cetera, that you guys release on a, on, on a consistent basis. You know, <laughs> I feel like every week and month I'm hearing, hey, version four is out or version four is being shipped to down to where you're at down in Florida to now beta test. And so, you know, I yeah, think that's yeah. great. You know, sometimes in these things that the speed to market on, on solving challenges uh, is not conducive to success. Right. And so I yeah. applaud you guys, how you've been able to do that. Um, you know, I've got a, a, another question and then we'll kind of switch lanes here. Um, and you kind of hit on this with the battery consumption, I think, but you know, is there anything you guys are doing on, on the robotic scale that addresses kind of a main concern in almost every industry right now, which is sustainability, right? Whether that's energy mm -hmm. consumption, water usage, chemical usage, all of those things where, you know, in general companies all around the world and, and organizations are looking to kind of reduce that footprint. Can you give me a couple examples mm -hmm. of, of peppermint robotics and how you're looking to, to at least help in that cause? Sure. Yeah. I mean, as, as you said, like our battery consumption is a big part of it. I mean, we are trying to make sure that we're being as efficient as possible in all the things that we're doing. We certainly look at this when we're when we're from our packaging standpoint and we're trying to move things, you know, over the seas and things like that. We're, we're looking to be the most effective that we possibly can and being efficient and using the most reusable materials that we can use in that process and making sure that we're minimizing, uh, you know, waste and, and just simple things like shipping. Uh, we actually just had some calls around that this week. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, we, we are, this is, it, it, this goes, uh, this goes along with a lot of our mission as an organization is, is to try to not uh, just find ways to, to, to partner with, with humans and, and to augment labor, you know, with humans, but to find ways to be sustainable along the way and, and to be a good partner uh, to, to the earth and to people and everything else as we're working towards this uh, new, new future that we all kind of have out in front of us. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to ask you to kind of take off your peppermint hat for a second and, and just some advice for our listeners. You know, if, if someone mm -hmm. was going to 
start their own robotics business, you know, what, or, or look to get into the space, what kind of mm-hmm. advice would you give them as things you've learned along the way, not only as, you know, pre-joining Peppermint, but just in general from your, from your time spent working with robotics, but also in Peppermint? Sure. No, that's a good question as well, Derek. Uh, so I, I would say to, to take a similar approach to how we did at HHS, and this, this was, um, we, we kind of understood at the point, you know, that the, the technology wasn't quite where it needed to be yet uh, in order to function in our environment. But it, it was quite obvious uh, several years ago that this was the direction that things were headed. And so we began trying to figure it out. And, and I think that's that's one thing that I would encourage people to do, that if they have a, a need for robotics or they have a space that's appropriate for current robotics, um, and, and they're interested in it is, is to begin to explore it and take a look at it and understand it. Because at some point in the future, whether that's a couple of years from now or five years from now, it, it, this is going to be the, the form of, of floor care, most likely in healthcare and in most places you go, uh, that you see most predominantly, not someone pushing a, a machine. I think you'll probably see a lot of the, the, the manual floor machines phased out over, over the next decade for sure. And most things gone to automated uh, when it comes to small as well as large. Um, we're, we're working on, 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 we have a new one coming to market this this week, uh, actually, the, a smaller SD20 that's a much you know, more compact unit that's able to go through some smaller spaces. And so I would recommend to begin to explore, explore it and figure it out. Because if you're, you're a large company or, or, or an organization that's needing uh, to, to, to do this uh, ultimately and you continue to put it on the back burner and look at it as a, more of a challenge than it is worth uh, the effort that it goes into to exploring automation, uh, I think you'll be called on the back foot here in a few years because most of these companies are going to, 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 to be exploring it, figuring it out, and they'll figure it out ahead of you. And, uh, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a struggle to catch up. Yeah, that's great. And the only other advice I'd, I'd layer on top of that, and, and you think similarly, which is why I enjoy working with you is, you know, I, I come from a background of like agile development, right? And, mm-hmm. and really when I boil that down to is, man, you're going to fail, but when you yep. fail, fail really fast and then start over that minute <laughs> with a, with the lessons yep. learned. Right. And so you just keep yep, that exactly. cycle going and, and ultimately you're going to get there pretty quickly, you know, kind of flipping that on its head a little bit. If you're mm-hmm. a, a hospital executive or, or in operations at a big box store or airport, you know, what are some of the things they should consider if they're starting to go down the journey of exploring robotics, you know, and, and what should they look at when selecting the right partner, um, selecting how mm-hmm. they go through that process? What are some key tidbits you could give them to make them smarter as they go down that procurement path? Sure. I mean, you know, one of the things that's, that stood out pretty pretty early on to me as we started to talk to, with some partners and potential people in like retail spaces and things like that was, but most environments aren't set up very automation friendly. You know, we have a lot of like clutter and things like that that are that are around the space and the environment. And and when you move towards automation, if you think uh, the most automated spaces we have in the United States right now are probably something like an automotive manufacturing plant or something of that nature, some manufacturing space, you know, where you got a lot of robots moving around. Those spaces are very clean. They're very organized. You know, even there, there's there's lanes for for machines to be able to move around and stuff like that. You know. And so when we go into, is an example, a recent uh, grocery store example that we've been working with, where there's a lot of these little middle of the aisle displays and things like that, you know, that create clutter and obstacles to go around. Not only are you creating something that can't be moved by a robot to clean underneath or around around where it is, you also create create objects, you know, that it has to understand and then it creates uh, delays in it finishing, you know, a pass because it has to think 
you know, much more as it's going past some of these things. So that was one of the things we picked up on early on is, is a, a, some of the spaces need to be rethought a little bit in order, you know, to have a true success with automation. Um, and, and that's one of the things that we picked up on pretty quickly in some of these spaces. Uh, the, the other thing is is the staff. Uh, you kind of touched on this earlier. You know, helping the staff not be scared of it, helping them understand, you know, that they're not being replaced by anything. That this is just a way to help give them better use of their time. You, you know, rather than just replacing their time. Which in a lot of these cases, this is the scenario. This is what happens. Even in a grocery store, the guy cleaning the floors is usually trying to struggle to also get the shelves stocked and do some other things in the meantime. So. Um, if you can have a machine take care of most of the floor care work while he takes care of, you know, some of the small details and, and, and only has to, and spends the rest of his time stocking shelves, let's say, it, it, it helps uh, make his day a little more productive and a little easier for him. So, Yeah, that's great. As you were talking, two things kept popping in my mind is, A, whoever came up with the end cap and middle, middle aisle things at grocery <laughs> stores that stock things that kids want. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I like that <laughs> approach because my kids always get me to buy something from that. But then the yeah, other thing yeah, is, I wish right. I would have talked to you before I bought my wife a Roomba a couple years ago, because you know that thing just sits in the laundry room now because there's just clutter everywhere. Hopefully, my wife doesn't listen yeah, to this because yeah. she'll probably murder me. <laughs> um, but you know that Roomba just sits there, which is so funny because when I go and, and tour around on some hospitals. You know, um, as we're looking to start a new partnership or even as we're out in our aviation customers, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes there's just a robot, a, a robot sitting there cleaning dust. And the reason is yeah. either A, you know, they stopped using it for some reason and forgot about it. But B, they just don't mm -hmm. have the operational footprint or, or the forethought before they planned it out to really get that done. So I think that's a great piece of advice. Um, well, Donnie, you know, thank you for your time on this. Uh, I'm going to leave you with sure. kind of two quick questions here. One is, you know, give me something mm -hmm. outside of work that you're really passionate about, uh, just so the audience gets to know you a little better. Yeah, sure, man. Well, you know, I, I have four kids, and, and so I've got a lot going on, you know, with kids and family, and I a golfer, a cyclist, I like to cycle and, and fitness and things like that. So yeah, yeah, I got a lot of activities, always, always moving, always going and, and never sitting still. That's probably the longest yeah, that's great. a while. Yeah, that's great. Well, I know we're going to put uh, how to get in contact to, uh, with you on, on this feed. Um, but you know, what's okay. the best way if someone listens to this and we're like, Hey, I just want to pick Donnie's brain or I'm interested in peppermint robotics. What's the, your preferred way they get in contact with you? You can go to peppermintrobotics.com uh, and and reach us there. Uh, of course, uh, I, I'm I'm at uh, Donnie M at peppermintrobotics.com is my is my email. You can reach me through their website as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, that's what I recommend. Great. Go there, check us out. We're on LinkedIn at, at Peppermint Robotics USA. Um, look forward to to talking to you guys. That's great. I was going to give out your cell phone number to everyone, but I don't want to make you an overnight celebrity, so I'll, I'll keep that to myself. <laughs> You know, um, is, is there any parting comments you'd like to say, kind of leave with the viewers? No, just, just uh, thank you. I mean, for inviting us on to do this, we're, we're really excited about spending some time with you and getting to talk through this. Uh, really excited about our, our partnership with HHS and really excited about uh, getting this company launched here in the USA. We have a, a great team of people working on our side. Uh, we have some great ideas some great products coming to market. 
Um, we're we're working to build an ecosystem of robots to be able to to to, to allow uh, customers uh, like a healthcare organization to buy a suite of robots to service multiple needs of, of different types to one company with one software and a one operating system uh, to simplify uh, the, the automation process as they begin to grow and 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 move that forward and, and into different things other than just floor cleaning. So. No, yeah, really excited about what we're doing with HHS and really excited about uh, what we're doing at Peppermint here in, in, in the North America. Well, thanks, Donnie. You know, for all of you out there listening, you know, the, the way, as Donnie just mentioned, kind of the suite of robots or, or the various applications, I always relate it to when you go into your workshop, you don't want three different brands of power tools, right? Because then you need three different brands of batteries. And so with all the stuff you guys are doing, I think it makes it really easy to have that consistency in user experience, features, parts, maintenance plans, et cetera. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Donnie. Uh, for all, the, all you out there listening, hope you enjoyed this podcast. We are going to have a few more coming out uh, with other industry experts and, and product experts. And if there's something that's on your mind that you'd love to hear about or certain individuals you'd love for me to invite on, Please chat about it. Email me. Um, my contact information is below. Comment in the, in the post here. Um, but other than that, hope everyone has a great week. Donnie, hope you have a great week and uh, enjoy the rest of your time. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, everyone.